we want to learn how to influence things instead of control them. If I take charge, if I try to influence a situation, it doesn't mean it's going to work out the way I want to. I'm just going to do my best and then I'll have to deal with whatever it is. See, that's the attitude. So emotional sobriety, we can say, is really learning to cope with life as life is. Bill Wilson, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, if we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Wilson suggested that if we could identify and continually surrender these unrealistic and unrealizable demands, that we may then be able to accomplish what he imagined to be the recovery's next frontier, something he called emotional sobriety. Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Welcome to your emotional sobriety, or welcome to all of our emotional sobriety. This is the first episode of our newly reframed podcast. Uh, I'm Tom Rutledge. I'm with uh, Dr. Alan Berger and our uh, esteemed uh, producer, Patrick Newman. And we are here to investigate, discover, and recover what Alan calls the best in us. And I like that a lot. I also tend to think that what we're doing with emotional uh, emotional sobriety is kind of going as deep as we can and, and, and exploring and healing the dependency beneath all other dependencies. Maybe that's overstated. What do you think, Alan? I, you know, I love that. I, I remember you shared that one other time. And it really seems to be the ground floor, doesn't it, to all mm -hmm. of this other stuff is the way yeah. I think about it, right? It's like, what's in the basement, right? And this is the basement stuff. This is, right. where, this is where it all starts, man, is what kind of a foundation do we build our life on? Right. And it's, 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 it's 12. Yeah. It's, it's, I've, I always, I've often thought, you know, what do people who aren't alcoholics and dr drug addicts and all this stuff do, do for, you know, to learn and grow. Cause I, I, mean, I don't know what I would have done without, without the 12 steps. It's like, and I don't think it's the only way to do things. I just think it's been a, a powerful, I know it's been a powerful way for me to learn, but the idea is it, my first sponsor, you've heard me quote this before, my first sponsor uh, said, and he used this word, the word mentioned very uh, specifically, he said, there's 12 steps of recovery, and only one of them mentions alcohol. He, and he, and he, he had a, a perfect pause, and then he, then he said, the rest of them are about how to be better people. You know, and it's like, that's what I think we're, we're focused on. That's, that's everything I've learned from you about the concept of emotional sobriety that you've, that you've been working on for a long time. I mean, one of the things that I've said, I think I actually wrote it in a piece of a, of a, a bit of an endorsement for your new book, by the way, is the, um, the, and I don't know if it's being used or not, but, but the idea that Bill Wilson the uh, co-founder of, 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 of Alcoholics Anonymous began, I think, I think I've got the dates about right. The writing about emotional sobriety in 1952. And it's, uh, and I believe that uh, at that same time, uh, the, uh, somebody we know was born and that was you. It's like, I, I, I just, you know, I, just, I have, I, uh, maybe a little, a little bit uh, uh, grandiose in thinking this, but, but it seems to me that you are the person he talked about, you know, emotional sobriety being the, the, uh, 
the the next frontier. I I think you I think you're the guy who's taken the baton from Bill Wilson, and 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 uh, we're seeing a we're and, and and I think even I think even think the one of the silver linings of the COVID year that we've had has been that with the stuff we're doing online uh, is uh, this has been expanding pretty quickly, and uh, people are really tuning into it and it's one of the reasons one of the main reasons we decided just to to change our our uh, podcast to go with this flow so well you know thanks tom i'm humbled by your comments um i i i'm very excited about the work that we've been doing and there is something about this last year that's really helped me and it's in no small part in terms of what you and i have been doing that's helped me really put this stuff together in ways that I didn't even know I was putting together. You know, we we have that Thursday night meeting that we, that I started with COVID, the emotional Mm -hmm. sobriety anonymous, I called it Mm -hmm. um, just to separate it from the other groups and just invite anybody that's interested (laughs) in a better life. You don't have to have any label to come there. If you want to be there, you're welcome. Oh, I love it. I love what you say at the beginning of each meeting. The only requirement for, for being here is that you want to be here. I love that. <laughs> and that's, and that's part- it. And that you're welcome. I mean, and, and, and Pat, Patrick, our producer, will provide the information for that meeting, you know, in the description of this podcast. But, but what's happened this year is that, it's really been a time where this stuff, and, and I know you've experienced this too, is in being the creative person you are and the writer you are, you find yourself coming up with ideas and putting things together that, that make you say, wow, yeah, yeah. where did that come from? How did that coalesce? How did that oh, come true. together? How, where did that idea come from? And right. I love that. It's that, it's discovering these new, you know, ways of putting things together. It's like I had one the other day when I was doing some promos for my new book and and talking about um, emotional sobriety. And I was saying, look, one of the first experiences we have in supporting ourselves is when we take the first breath of life. And I never thought about that as self-support. Right. It, it is. Of course it is. Right. It's so obvious that it is. But when I put that together, that that's the beginning of the of emotional sobriety. I mean, emotional sobriety is learning how to support yourself, how to take care of yourself. If I didn't take that breath, I wouldn't be here. I mean, if I don't continue to breathe, I'm not here. That's an example, a physical example of what self-support looks like. But emotional sobriety now takes that idea of self-support and applies it to how do we live our life and support ourselves in our life. <laughs> the more I depend on my environment for, for doing for me, it's like sometimes our environment has to support us. God bless those folks that had COVID and that couldn't breathe and had to go on a ventilator. Mm-hmm. They needed environmental support to deal with that. Now we learned that maybe some of them were put on a ventilator too quick and then let them figure that out, you know, and let their body and give them some other support to do it. So at times we need environmental support. Nobody's saying that we can do all this stuff by ourselves, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of things that for me, where my immaturity came from is I looked for my environment to do for me things I needed to learn how to do for myself. Yes. Like self-esteem. Let's take that for an example. Right. And, and environment specifically very often being other people. 
other people, yeah. that's yeah. circumstances. Right. Um, I need I need you to think this way. I need you to feel this way. You know, not 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 even in a controlling way, but just the underlying. I mean, this is what I've gotten from this is that underlying belief that we may not even be consciously aware of as we begin this process. And if you don't approve of me, if you don't like me, then there's then either. I mean, it could be something horrible, like I'm a bad person or whatever, but it can just be that there's something wrong, you know, that, that, that I'm not, I'm not okay. I'm not, I'm not as okay as I could be because Alan's thinking this and it's, and it may be that you're thinking that the other piece, you know, this is ultimately, you know, I mean, emotional sobriety is also codependent recovery on steroids. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, it's, I mean, it really is because, 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 because it's like, it's about codependency is about giving our power away. You know, it's like, whatever, whatever you think of me determines how I feel about myself. And it's not even that it's whatever I think you're thinking of me determines how I feel about myself. So the idea is, and what happens, you're talking about, you're, you're describing the idea that it's not about being so, so, separate from our environment it's, but it's about not being dependent on the environment but about being interdependent yeah you see it's the kind of contact we make with our life whether it's i'm making a contact in terms of my relationship with someone i'm dealing with a certain situation that happened in life you know let's say you know i'm in a, a natural disaster right that's life mm -hmm. happening to me well how do i respond to that right what do i do how do I now meet that disaster and find a way to deal with it in the best way possible so that I grow myself from the experience? Mm -hmm. I don't become diminished from it. See, those are the things we're looking at. And that's what this show is about. So if you're tuning into this, stand by. What we're going to be talking about in tonight, we're starting it today, I should say, and we're going to be continuing this and we're going to be having this discussion, I hope, for, for many, many years, Tom. <laughs> that we're going to be talking about ways to help you learn how to better support yourself, how to better take care of yourself, how to grow up. Right. This is all about growing up because the arc of growing up is to go from completely dependent in our mother's womb to being able to stand on our own two feet and to provide for ourselves and meaning all of the things that we got in the womb, meaning I have to regulate my own temperature. I have to provide my nourishment. You know, I have to protect myself. I, you know, all those things that were taken care of when I was in her womb. But as I differentiate from mom, now it becomes my job. But somehow we've never connected that emotionally. We understand right. it physically. We get it. You know, we get it completely but we don't get it emotionally. And that's what emotional sobriety is about. Psychological freedom. It's, it's like, it's, 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 it's freedom for us. It's like, it's to be able to, to say, I can, I can come and go and I can interact with my world. And yet, I, you know, and it's, and this is an important point and, and I'll be, you know, I'll be wearing this one out because I just always do, which is, it's not to say we are in control of, of much actually, but we're in charge. And to me, the, that, that may seem just like semantics, but it's more than that to me. It's like, for, I always say, forget about control and just, and, and focus on being in charge. And, and it's, you know, as, as corny as the metaphor is, it's, it's the one that works. It's like, we don't, if, if we're, if we're, if, if some, if nobody's cheating, then we we're, it's random what cards we get dealt. 
you know, and it's, and it's like, but, but we could set up a, if you were a really good card player and I wasn't, it, then we could set up an experiment in which you were dealt better hands than, than I am. And you would still beat me at cards because you know how to play cards. And that's what we want to be. We want to teach people to be good card players, that's you know, right. and we want to, we want to teach them. And you, you mentioned something earlier that, that brought me so, thought we, it's a good time to, as we begin this to, to put some of the vocabulary out here is something you and I have been calling since the beginning of, of um, I think since the beginning of the video series we did at the beginning of the COVID thing is positive opportunism. The idea you living your life according to the question, how can I take this situation, no matter how difficult or negative it is, and use it to become a better person? Not just survive, but be and better. That's right. To be and, and it's our belief that each and every one of us can learn how to do that. No matter how traumatized you were in your childhood, no matter what kind of experiences you've had and how many traumas you've had to deal with subsequently no matter what kind of attachments you started with in your life, that it is our belief. We have a hundred percent faith in that you can grow yourself along these lines. You yeah, really and, you, and, and you, what you'll never hear from us is, is we will never, we will never, we will never give you any indication that we think it should, that it's easy or that it should be easier for you or, Oh, you ought to be able to do this. It's, it's like, it's, that's a part that we don't know. Everybody has their own, you know, so if you want to, if you want to know how my process was, then you never, you better listen to how I describe it because I'm the one who knows that. If you want to know about Alan's, Alan will describe it. And we will, we want to listen to everyone that's in. And I like to think of everybody being in the conversation with us. And we love to say at the outset too, is we love to hear from people between uh, our podcast. I mean, our, our contact information is in the notes. Uh, e email either one of us, ask questions. Uh, we've in our, in our, in the previous incarnation of this podcast, there have been some people who have, who have sent uh, questions and we've, and we've actually based entire shows around that so so uh we want to we want to we want to be relevant to right. listeners yeah we definitely want to be relevant to listeners and and you know it's to me what you're saying about each of us has our own individual path to this emotional sobriety to achieving it mm -hmm. and what might be a small victory for one person can be an incredibly large victory for someone else. Mm -hmm. and, and just keep that in mind is that there is no criteria or standard. You are growing yourself. You know, this is an individual program in completely individualized. A lot of treatment centers say that we provide individualized care right, and everybody right. goes to group therapy. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's that weird thing. But this is an individualized program. You're going to take this stuff and you're going to work on this stuff in the way that you need to work on it. You're going to grow your pace. And that's the important thing to do. All of us are going to do that in a different way. You know, what are they saying in the big book? Sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly is, is people having a spiritual awakening. Well, it's the same thing with this stuff. You know, your awakening can come sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly. There might be moments when you go, oh, God, I got it. You make this big leap forward. And then you move by inches after that for yeah. a while. And then you make another big leap. I mean, that's okay. There is no, there is no plan. There's no program. There's nothing that dictates how this is going to unfold for you. Right. Also progress, right. not perfection. 
Yeah, well, that's what that is, isn't it? Is that what we're talking about? And that's Patrick, you know, that's our producer, Patrick. Patrick, say hi to everyone. Hey, everyone. Happy to have you here with us. If it weren't for Patrick, we, would, we wouldn't be here. We, Alan and I would be, be talking to each other on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> there wouldn't be all these things. And, you know, a shout out to you, Patrick. You know, yeah. you've done a phenomenal Thank job you. with, with yes. our, our former podcast, Start Right Here. And if anybody's just tuning in and you want to hear some of previous shows that Tom and I have done, please go back and look at the archives for Start Right Here. It, there's a lot of great things and and we're really now you know heading out in this new direction tom that i'm mm-hmm. very excited yep. about because i just see that there's such a there's so many important things for us to talk about and mm-hmm. it seems it, it feels to me like what we've done is we've and i and i like working this way i like i i, I, I kind of approach it's just a creative process I, I i you know i'm making big gestures with my arms and hands it's like you start you cast the net wide you know and you just go and one of the things that you and i have had in common and and patrick has either is like us this way or is is incredibly patient with us is that you know, we, we just show up and we just start jabbering, you know, and, and we go where we are. Cause you and I, you and I have discovered, we've talked a little bit more about how you and I came to be together, but it's like, we found very organically early on that we have, it's, it's a lot in common, I think in a lot of ways, but I think it's a lot complimentary too. It's like, it's not just in common. Um, And I think that what's happened with this whole process is, uh, is that, we, I, I think I, I do, and I think you do too. It's like I feel more focused now uh, from the process that we've had so far. We started with, uh, you know, when the COVID surrounded us in uh, uh, March of, of last year, or, the, was, or by that time you, you had begun the 12-step uh, emotional sobriety uh, uh, Thursday night thing, and you asked me to do the video series. So we did 12, 12 uh, video things because everything you do is always 12 because uh, that's all, the, all your books, inc- including your new book I'll plug here, which is... I love it. I, it's like, it's, I think, I think that's called branding. I think it's a good thing. It's like the, 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 uh, but the 12, I, and I have read that book and it's not out just yet, but, it, but you can pre-order it by the way. It's uh, 12, 12 essential insights uh, for emotional sobriety. And it's like, uh, and I love the fact that in the subtitle, you use the word unstuck. I actually had a manuscript years ago, uh, one time called, just called getting unstuck and, 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 uh, um, it never did. It never came to, to fruition, but it's like, I, I just think so much of what this work is about is about finding places, helping people find places where they're stuck because there is, this is, I mean, this may, it may, may reveal a little bit too much of my, my hippie dumb here, but it's like, I think if we can get the blocks out, you know, the healing is natural. Yeah, that's right. Can I ask you a question, Alan? Yes. Um, how did, or did emotional sobriety come in for you when you got COVID? Because I would have been pretty pissed if I got COVID and uh, you know, the lingering symptoms and all that stuff had to have been aggravating to say the least. And uh, would you mind talking about that? Is that a bridge too far? Oh, not at all. I, I, I came, um, I uh, became infected last November. I believe it was at the beginning of November after a trip, to visit my uh, father-in-law and the rest of the family. 
Um, we were concerned that he was going to be dealing with a medical problem that, that might take his life. So we forced ourselves to travel at a time, you know, took a lot of precautions on the way there. Never thought to ask him to take a precaution after he went to the hospital. And it seemed he did test before he went in because you couldn't go into a hospital without coming back with a main COVID test, but didn't even think to ask him to test afterwards. And so he came out and uh, unfortunately he was infected or fortunately. Um, and then we were in a house and I forgot how many folks were there, but let's say that it was 14. Everybody in the house became infected. So I came back from that trip and I started to feel the symptoms. Uh, so he, we moved into the house on a Saturday. He became sick on Tuesday. So what, four days afterwards, I became sick four days after that. And so that's when he started to manifest symptoms. I think that's when he was shedding the virus. And then I picked it up and then came back to California and then I got sick. So at first, I went through all my non-emotional sobriety reactions. I'm mad that he, mm -hmm. you know, why didn't he think about it? Why didn't I think about it? I got into the blame game for a while. And then I started, I realized after I spent about maybe a day on that, you know, how irrelevant all of that was. It didn't matter that, that how I got sick. What was important now is what was I going to do? And so I quickly, you know, mobilized myself. I contacted my pulmonologist, you know, and this is what we do. I think that after I work past all the obstacles to, or what I say is all my objections to reality, then I move into the acceptance of it. That's a I great get, way. Objections to reality. <laughs> I'm writing that down. That is, that's good. And, and then I get busy with dealing with it. And, and I did. And thank God, I'm very grateful because I was concerned about my age and my health and stuff that how was I going to respond to it? Because, you know, I had some of the preconditions that people were concerned about. I, I'm, I'm asthmatic and I've struggled with asthma for the last, you know, 10 years or so of my life. And I was afraid I was going to end up in the hospital on a ventilator. I mean, I really was that I had a lot of anxiety about that. And I mobilized myself. I got my pulmonologist. I started to talk to her on a regular basis, my cardiologist, you know, and they came together and they, you know, put me on some medications and stuff like that. And we did some therapeutic, you know, interventions to keep me from ending up in the hospital. And they were successful. So I think that's the way I would say it is, is after I got past my objections to reality, I could start coping. And thank God I had a relationship with a really good pulmonologist, a good cardiologist, had a good relationship with them that I've developed over the years. And they were able to provide me a, with a lot of medical support and, and encouragement during a time when I would have had a high degree of anxiety. Well, let me let me let me put an observation in here is, is I mean, what you just described is one of the things I think that's very, very important for anybody uh, approaching this idea of emotional sobriety and wanting to make it more than an idea. And and that is, uh, again, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of create some vocabulary here for ourselves. It's response time. It's like, you know, when 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 Patrick asked the question, how you know, what do you do in a situation like that? Well, this this was a this is a successful story of emotional sobriety. It's like the, re, you know, I tell people just like you, it's like my, my reflexes, I don't think have ever changed. You know, the things that piss me 
off still piss me off the you know the you know it's like i i actually when a, when a driver cuts me off in traffic you know I, I nowadays i actually say well who taught you to drive darling rather than you motherfucker you deserve to die it's like but 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 it's but it's like the first reflex is still there sometimes and it's like you have that and so the idea, I want people who are applying this to themselves to know that, that, that the goal here, and this is not to make an excuse for any of us, but the goal is, the goal is to, to, to shorten that response time. You know, it's like, like, you know, if I think about how long, how long would it have, you know, if I, if I act out in a way that I need to apologize to, to a friend or to my wife, it's like in the old days, how long would it have taken me to actually have that insight and make that change? Well, I used to never make it at all. So, so it's, it's like, it didn't happen. Now I, I can do it within maybe it'd be 24 hours, maybe even 20 minutes sometimes, you know, however long that took you, that was a, when I mean, you're being hit by information is some, somebody who was as, as absolutely as, as, as you and I've talked about it a lot was very careful. And, and man, you're, you're like me. I've never followed rules so much in my entire life. It's like, with possibly the exception to 12 steps of, of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's like, but that's, but, but as, as far as the COVID stuff, I have listened to the experts. I have followed those rules. Uh, I, we have been appropriately paranoid together as we've talked about this stuff, talking about how we, you know, we go into grocery stores looking like, you know, bank robbers. It's like, it's, you know, it's just bizarre, but it's, it's like, you because you were absolutely concerned and especially concerned because you have two young daughters now and, and it's and it's and it's like uh so yeah i mean this came out of the blue and and it makes sense to me that you would that you were going to have a big re reaction to it but it's like but i and and you know we got to witness that with you and being in touch with you through that time is is you did turn it around and uh but but you didn't you didn't you know i don't you didn't try to you didn't try to stuff it you just went through it just went through it, went through once I got past the objection part, but there was that. I love that object. I mean, your, your honor, I object to reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's normal. I was going to say it's, it's normal to have uh, probably reams and reams of objections to reality, but I think the key is to not let those become an impediment to you doing what you need to do. Well, it's exactly. exactly. Some point, see, is some point I realized is like how futile it is, is to figure out who's to blame. It's not going to take the virus away. I still have it. It's not going to, that, that doesn't change the reality. See, I think that's the important point here. And in many ways, you know, we're going to define emotional sobriety in a lot of different ways, but we'll start today with defining emotional sobriety as an alignment with reality as reality is. Mm. See, it's, it's getting to the point of being able to align myself with it and now get busy dealing with and coping with it, you know, um, responding is responding. You know, uh, I, I love the work of a Dr. Murray Bowen because he's the one who first started to take this idea of differentiation. And you're going to see how relevant this idea of differentiation is as we continue to talk about these things, but differentiation is, is just, that autonomy, that emotional autonomy, that freedom that Tom was talking about earlier on, the more differentiated I become, the less I take things personally, the more autonomous my functioning is in my relationships. That's differentiation. And, and um, one of the great things that Bowen talked about with differentiation is, is that when we're undifferentiated, is that our thoughts 
and our emotions are are woven together. They're mm-hmm. fused. You, you, we don't know the difference between a thought and emotion. So I'll say things like, you made me angry, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, right? I'm fusing things. Instead of saying, I'm angry right now, you made me angry. See, there's a fusion there. Right. Different. Or, or how, how do you feel? I feel like kicking your ass. It's like, yeah. okay, well, that's, that's, you know, that's, you know, we, we're not just, we're not giving ourselves, there's no choice of behavior. That's right. And the other thing that people say, how do you feel? Well, I feel that you're being unfair. See, that's not a feeling. That's a thought. Mm-hmm. Unfairness is a, a judgment about justice and, mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. But I will think that I feel you're unfair is a feeling. So I have fused feelings with thoughts, right? And the more differentiated I become, the more my emotions exist juxtaposed to my thoughts. But my emotions don't influence my thoughts. My thoughts don't influence my emotion. They're separate systems. And when I'm healthy, I respect both of those. I take my feelings into consideration, but I also am thoughtful about it. And so what Tom is saying is that when I then respond to a situation instead of react, I can take more what we call right action in the program, appropriate action. I can take, I can let the best of me respond to the situation instead of the king baby inside of me responds. Instead of the first one who speaks. I mean, that's, you know, that's. that's, that's I like that. You often said that. Tell people about right, that. Right. Well, that's like, I think, I think about the very, the little committee of characters inside my head is there's a, there's a microphone just as I'm sitting here, like there's one in front of me right now, but it's like, there's a microphone that gets to the mouth. Whoever's fastest to the microphone and who puts an elbow upside somebody else's head gets to the microphone. It's like, there's nobody, there's nobody there that's managing that. So the, what we're doing with, with emotional sobriety is we will define things different ways at different times. And if it gets confusing, let us know and we'll, we'll clarify. But we'll also, I'll also call certain characters the same name or different names at different times. But one of them is, I just think of as the, as the uh, decision maker. And basically, I'm the guy at the microphone. I can listen to anybody over here. You know, one guy yells, I want to kick Alan's ass. I'm going like, okay, uh, thanks for sharing. You know, and then we, and I can, I can decide what I'm going to say. That's right. See, and and that's very important. See, I don't need to give voice to all the different parts of myself. See, that's that's that I have a choice over those things. And, you know, the other thing that Tom said earlier that I just want to say, you know, when he says that don't think of controlling these parts of you, just think of taking charge. And that is what that decision maker, the executive yeah. inside of us does. It sits down and says, okay, we're having a board of directors meeting. I want input from everyone, but I'm going to make the decisions here, right? It's yeah, that kind right. of thing. The buck stops with me. We want a part of us where the buck stops. Now, hopefully that part is your wisest part. Mm-hmm. A good idea to put that part of you in charge, right? Mm-hmm. You know, not the king baby, because the king baby or, or, or the, the Pu'er prince. I mean, you don't want that part in charge. You want, you want a guy that's going to be thoughtful or a gal that's going to be thoughtful and weigh things out, bring some nobility to the situation, those kind of things. My dear friend Herb Kagan also says, 
we want to learn how to influence things instead of control them. I like that term too, taking charge versus control, influencing versus control. If I take charge, if I try to influence a situation, it doesn't mean it's going to work out the way I want to. I'm just going to do my best and then I'll have to deal with whatever it is. See, that's the attitude. So emotional sobriety, we can say, is really learning to cope with life as life is, right? It's what is happening that I'm focusing on. It's the what is right now. This is what it is. So now how do I get busy dealing with it? Right. And, and for anybody listening who bas- basically it doesn't feel like you're in a place where the, the best of you is necessarily the one who's in the decision-making position or you don't eat, or it's a new idea to even have a decision. make. It's like, uh, that's fine. It's like, understand that this is, this is a process. Alan talked earlier about the fact that everybody's got their own, everybody's where they are in their process and everybody's got their own process. It's like, there's no right way to be. There's no specific way you should be. It's, it's, it's like just, I mean, what I would say is as people are tuning in to, to, uh, to, to this podcast is if, if just come into it, willing to learn something, if you learn something, that's great. It's like, um, you know, if you're somebody who, if you're, if you're like me, if you're somebody who writing is how I think, and it's, 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 and, and it's, it took me a while to get to that place to understand that, that a lot of times the best way I think I can do, and not everybody's this way, but I've known a lot of people who are, and they're not necessarily professional writers. It's just people who process, you know, it's like I can sit down in the, in either with a notebook and a pen or even on the computer and just start writing about something. And it'll take me to a different place than I have been. It's, it's, you know, Cause that's what a lot of what we're going to be doing with emotional sobriety is, is, is looking for, we're going to create the concepts, but we also want to create the practices, the, the, the ways to create practice uh, so that you can take these, what we're talking about and put it, putting it into play in your life. And so sometimes writing is one of those really important things you can do, because if you take an idea and you start writing, maybe you have two different perspectives about it. You write about both perspectives. It'll take you to a place that you didn't see coming. It's like, and um, streamlines the voices in the boardroom kind of thing. It does. Yeah. Absolutely. So let me just give uh, everybody kind of a preview of coming attractions as we wrap up this first show. (laughs) So in the weeks and months to come in years and decades and centuries, I'm going to be here for a long time. What a, what a opener. <laughs> in, a, in a galaxy far, far I'm, away. I'm, 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 I'm tired. Yeah, I, I heard that. It... I didn't sign up for all that. Wait, I, I'll give you the next year. Are you probably my God. I, I'm to get to June. At some point <laughs> then we got to go back to last episode and start right here and deal with saying goodbye. Saying goodbye. <laughs> All right, so let me try to be. Is, did that sound grandiose to anybody? No, no, it's uh, no, it's it pretty just, awesome. I just it sounded like Charlton Heston should be saying it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Movie Charlton Heston, not NRA Charlton Heston. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, make, make, yeah. See, there's even more than one Charlton Heston. That's right. So see, see, we're learning things all the time. So right. No, I, I want to hear the I want to hear the previews of coming attractions. <laughs> previews of coming attractions. Are- we are going to take time and unpack Bill's letter. I yes. will be, we will be playing some segments of the letter, and Tom and I will be discussing those things. That's upcoming. All right, we we'll say are, what the letter is, because we're starting oh, this. The letter is the letter yeah. that Bill wrote in 1956 yeah. that became a grapevine article in 58. And to me, it is, 
it is such a great synthesis of all of Bill's ideas about this issue of emotional sobriety. You can tease them out of the, the 12 and 12, the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and 12 Traditions that he wrote in 1950 that was published in 52. Even early on, when you look at the writings in the big book back in the 35, you'll see evidence of this stuff that he was, it was starting to, to I call it percolate inside Bill. He was mm -hmm. starting to, to grasp with some of these ideas, but it really came together for him you know, in, in after about 20 years in recovery. So that's, that's exciting. We're going to look at that 15 to 20 years. And that point, he really started to, to really connect the dots on things. And it's, it's a great, it's a great, great, um, great fine article. And it's available on the internet. If you just type in Bill Wilson, emotional sobriety, the next frontier, you'll be able to pull it up. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, and, and that's, and let me just say that <clears throat> that's the place where that, that, I get the part about the dependency beneath the other dependencies. It's like, cause ultimately it is, it is him drilling down to that, to that. It's the, it's the core of the wound. It is the core. He <laughs> called it his basic flaw. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? It, he really looked at it as that. And, and it's important, I think. And, and, you know, and I've taken, you know, the, the, the writings and, and the reflections on other, on master psychotherapist, and I say, my God, they were all talking about this same thing Bill was talking about, which mm -hmm. is exciting. My God, there's something to it. If everybody is seeing this, there's something going on here. Mm -hmm. So that's exciting. We're going to be doing that. We're going to be unpacking that letter. We're also inviting some, some of guests from our Thursday night emotional sobriety meeting to come in and share their experience what, what it means to them, what emotional sobriety looks like in their life. So you're going to be hearing that. We will also be having programs dedicated to the work of various people. Like in the future, we will have a whole day where we'll be looking at, at Bill Wilson and his life and what, how he brought this to. We're going to look at Ernie Larson. Mm. And we're going to look at what Ernie did. Melody Beattie in her work mm. in terms of codependent no more. Pia Melody and how she ties in some of her stuff. So different times, we'll even take some psychotherapists like Fritz Perls. We'll look at some of the people that influenced your life. These are going to be fantastic programs because we're going to put spotlights on people. And we want to show you that Tom and I, while we, we are creative and we're original in some things, we're also standing on the shoulders Absolutely. of all of those that have come before us. And then we're hopefully building on what they've done and, and moving it forward a few inches or hopefully sometimes mm -hmm. a few yards mm -hmm. and maybe significantly so. So I want you to understand that. That's the context of what we're doing here is we want to help you be able to see this from so many different angles and to see that what we're talking about is something that is what I would like to think of is, is the key to learning how to live a life where you can feel happy, joyous, and free. Well, you know, one of the things that, that, that you remind me of here is just something that I've known people who have, done, have been just, just fascinating and expert and imaginative experiential therapists, for instance. It's like 
it could take people into these experiences that are just amazing. And, um, and, but, but they don't, and, and this is not a criticism, this is an observation, but what they do is people will come out of those sessions with those people and they'll, they'll, they'll they will feel, you know, uh, enlightened. They'll, they'll feel recharged. They'll feel renewed. They'll feel lots of different things. Uh, but they, they don't necessarily know exactly what's happened. It's, it's, and I've been through some, I've had some wonderful therapists who, who were that, that way that basically they, they took me through the process. What I think that we do differently across the board is we're constantly training everybody to be therapists. It's like, we're, we're, you know, I want people, you know, when we, when we do, uh, when we, when, when we sit there across, you know, getting the, getting that empty chair, we say, let's have these, this, this intrapersonal conversation. I want people to understand what, you know, I want people to have the, the emotional experience of that, but I want people to understand why it is that we're doing that and what the purpose of that is. And I want them to take their own version of that and be able to practice it, you know, as they, as they leave that session. And I think that's one of the things that I, that where I connect to you, I don't think I've actually thought of it in just this way until this moment, Alan, but one of the things that I think we do have in common is that we are always wanting to educate our, our clients as to what we're doing and what we're thinking. One of the presidents of the American Psychological Association, his platform that he ran on was turning psychology over to the general public. Hmm. What he wanted to do, he called them the unwashed, right? (laughs) Turning psychology over to the unwashed. And and his platform was, if the ideas that we're talking about and concepts that we're talking about have any value, if they are really valid, it means they're going to help people live a better life. And that was his whole platform in terms of running as president. And I totally got that. I mean, to me, that so much because that's... That's what's happened in my life. I know it's happened in your life. Mm-hmm. We've taken these things, you know, on both sides of the couch, man. We were the mm-hmm. therapist and we've been the client. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've embraced both of those roles and we've learned a lot from both sides of that couch. Yep. Yep. And that's what we bring to our clients. And in many ways, we recreate that same experience. You know, a concept is only as good as, as you know, we can make it when we, when we translate that to practice. Right. And it's, it's like, that's what, that's what this is about too. It's like, well, okay. So, you know, always, if it feels, you know, I, I would say, you know, when I'm saying inviting people to, to, to respond to us as we go along, if you know, it's always a welcome question, if, if, if it feels like I'm, I'm getting, cause I can certainly get carried away with a concept that I, that I find myself fascinated with. And you and I can do that together sometimes. It's like, if, you know, if somebody needs, if somebody needs to send, the question stop us patrick patrick's really good at actually doing this so he's you, you got you got you, you got somebody on hand to do that to be able to say okay okay well that's fine that's all fine and good but how do you do that yeah that's right you know well, i just I love, love this i love this notion of de- kind of democratizing the process you know bringing more people into mm-hmm. it and of course mm-hmm. the the podcast is just another outlet of that yes exactly right that's right okay so that's it folks welcome to emotional sobriety <laughs> i'm excited and we'll see you next week Tend your life, tend your myth Cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with Then with glass in hand and children on one knee Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing 
will entertain me like nobody else. So here's to us, my old friends. Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again. With glass in hand and children on one knee. Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me. Back to me.